Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. This is Janelle Feller. And I'm Katie Nordby. These are the stories of Harold Schroeder and Alyssa McLemore. Schroeder went missing on February 26, 2009. He was 57 years old and lived in Falcon Heights, Minnesota. Falcon Heights is where the Minnesota State Fair is held annually and it sits just north of St. Paul in Minneapolis. Harold had served in the Navy, been married, divorced, had a son, and was just expecting his first grandchild. He was a postal worker in St. Paul and never missed a day of work without prior approval. On Sunday, February 22nd, Harold called his St. Paul attorney, Laura Haig, to set up an appointment to change his beneficiaries and to get a notice of eviction for his live-in girlfriend, Jacqueline, Jackie Dubay, and her three daughters. Harold had caught Jackie using his personal credit card. He had told his co-workers that he was breaking it off with Jackie and that she had threatened to frame him on a bogus child porn charge. At some point, he told Jackie that he was changing his beneficiaries, and she made a veiled threat, like... You better think twice about doing that. Harold told his attorney about this threat, just in case something happened to him. He also gave his son Nick Schroeder, 32, some personal items and told him that he was changing his beneficiaries and that he had been threatened, but his dad didn't seem overly concerned about it. Harold was last seen leaving his home on the 1300 block of West Larpenter Avenue in Falcon Heights on the morning of Thursday, February 26th. He missed his appointment with his attorney, and she spent the day trying to reach him on his cell phone. The next day, she called his home, and Jackie answered. She said that that Harold wasn't there. The attorney told her to report Harold missing, or she would. Jackie claimed that she had slept in the basement that night and heard him in the kitchen around 6 a.m., and then he left. She said that he had been planning on going on a northern Minnesota casino junket and assumed that that's what he had been doing that day. However, Harold's red 2004 Chrysler Crossfire was seen in the driveway that afternoon. Harold's co-workers knew something was wrong when he didn't show up for work on Friday. Harold was a military guy and he never missed work and he was always on time. On March 1st, Harold's car was found a couple of blocks from the post office where he worked near Arlington Avenue and Rice Street in St. Paul. The car was left in the parking lot on Jackson Street and Timberlake Road, but the doors were unlocked which is something that his family said he would not do. On March 5th, Jackie bought herself a new trunk liner for $252 from a car dealer. She replaced it just days before the police searched her white Chrysler 300. The police found two spots of Schroeder's blood in the freshly scrubbed trunk. Jackie gave the excuse that Harold had cut himself while changing a taillight. However, the spot was deep inside the trunk. The investigators also found that between February 26th and March 5th, Jackie and her brother Jay exchanged 250 to 300 texts and phone calls, though they didn't text before or after that time. On January 31st, 2010, the court determined that Jacqueline Dubay, 50, by a preponderance of evidence, had intentionally and feloniously murdered 
Harold Schroeder. While civil court found her guilty of Harold's death, there is not enough evidence for her to be charged in criminal court. In 2013, Judge David Higgs blocked Jacqueline Dubay from collecting the $750,000 life insurance and other benefits from Harold Schroeder's death. Harold's family and friends are offering a $50,000 reward for information leading to an arrest and conviction in this case. Harold's ex-wife, Bonnie, said that this case is like an open wound. Hal deserves a military burial in Fort Snelling, and it can't close because you know that they are out there and they need to be held accountable. Harold William Schroeder would be 63 this year. He is 5'10 and weighs 170 pounds. He has brown hair and hazel eyes, and he wore glasses. He has a scar on his chest from a triple bypass surgery. He was known to have high blood pressure. Harold was last seen wearing a brown leather jacket, white shirt, red sweater, blue jeans, brown boots, and a watch. If you have any information about this case, contact the St. Anthony Police Department at 612-782-3350. So his girlfriend purchased a new liner. New trunk liner. For her trunk. Yes. Why? Well, I mean, that wouldn't be something that you would purchase. I mean, trunk the trunk carpet is pretty... Well, this was a white Chrysler 300. It's a nice-looking vehicle. Yeah. And uh, she because she murdered somebody and put his body in there. Right. That's why she had to buy a new one. Right, because why else? Why, well, then that's what I mean. Why else would you do that? Because trunk lining is pretty durable. I mean, it's you put your spare tire in there. You put, you know, right. All, right. All, and especially in Minnesota, you put all your gear in there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you just wouldn't do that unless you needed to do that. Right, right. And, right, it's, it's very, and for it to... You know, it's two hundred fifty-two dollars. It's not just um, it's not just an accessory, or just because right. it got dirty uh, that you would. And I, I don't think that that's probably done very often, unless you're selling a car, or unless there's it's there's, severely damaged or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, that you would do that. But I think that it Harold. He had a a red Chrysler Crossfire, which um, that he kind of took a lot of pride in, and. That it's just it's um, yeah that he that that and she had a very nice Chrysler vehicle that was a white one, and um, yeah you would you would probably not change that out unless you were selling the vehicle yeah unless it had been it had been severely soiled, and yeah. there was blunt blood in the trunk, um, and on the on the latch of the uh, to the trunk, um, but the. The only blood that was left over was was very far back, deep inside, and it would have been under the under that new liner. Right. So not something that you would just. Yeah. Yeah, but not enough not enough to charge her with a crime. So, and I don't know, I don't know what it means that the judge um, blocked her blocked Jackie Dubay from getting that insurance settlement that was she was listed as a beneficiary he hadn't had the chance to change that yeah though it had been indicated to his attorney um it probably wasn't recorded because it was either a conversation um, right. or a message that you wouldn't have thought to have kept but yeah thank goodness his attorney was so thoughtful 
I, first of all, that he contacted her on a Sunday night. And when she, he missed his appointment, she was checking on him yeah. all day. Well, and, and did, into the next day. And he had told the attorney also this threat that she had. Yes. So obviously that, after saying that, and that he doesn't he was, show up. Right, that yeah. he was changing the beneficiaries. And he needed to get an eviction notice for her and her three adult daughters. Because after living in a residence for a certain amount of time, I'm not sure how long that is, but you, they have to be evicted. You can't. Right. They, um, there has to be notice given. And yeah. um, so he was doing all those things. But he had also mentioned to Jackie that that was his plan. Right. And he, he was concerned because he not only did he set up that appointment on a Sunday night, um, but he gave some personal items to his son, Nick. Yeah. And for safekeeping, he knew he, he was concerned a little bit and and he and he, he was right. He was right. But this whole process, somebody to get to get a body into a trunk of a full of, uh, adult man who's 170 pounds. Yeah. Um, you don't do that by yourself. No. And her brother, was, Jay. Was there anything else about the brother? Was he qu- questioned or, uh, you know. Again, not enough evidence, but sure. but um, and f- they didn't return the the reporters' calls sure. when they had called and asked him. And this was you know this is two thousand nine, um, but they're living free and clear. They didn't. She didn't get that insurance money. Yeah. Um, and any other things, any other significant things that had belonged to Harold, but she's up and about and. Right. So is he. And we don't know where Harold is. No, the body hasn't been returned. And I thought it was so sweet that his ex-wife, uh, they had divorced in like 2000, and but his ex-wife wanted Harold to be buried in Fort Snelling, which is what his wish would have been. Right. As a, as a military person, that was his right and, yeah. and an honor. It's an honor. And... Um, but they can't do anything. They can't bury it. They don't have a body to bury. Yeah. And they're just... But then these other people are, are moving around and they have freedoms and it's just so unfair. Yeah, it is. Um, but the... I really was... I was really... This wouldn't be a case if it hadn't been... If he hadn't contacted his attorney and told her these things beforehand. Yeah. Otherwise, there would be nothing other than, you know, I'm leaving my girlfriend, a conversation between coworkers. Right. But his calling and setting up this appointment and going just that one step further to say that he was, what he was planning on doing um, and that he had been threatened. Um, otherwise, she would have also gotten that money, yeah. all that money. Uh, and, uh, you know, even though technically she's gotten away with murder. Right. And so is the brother Jay. Right. Alyssa McLemore was a fun-loving 21-year-old mother from Kent, Washington, which is just south of Seattle. Her and her three-year-old daughter live with her mother and grandmother. She was caring for her mother, who was dying from scleroderma. So what is scleroderma? So apparently it's a it's an autoimmune disease. Okay. That there's, there's a couple different types from what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very clear on exactly what it is, but it can attack your your organs, oh. basically. Okay, thank you. On April 9th, 2009, Alyssa's grandmother called her at 6.30 p.m. to let her know her mother was not doing well and that she needed to come to the hospital. 
Alyssa wasn't far from home, and she told her that she was on her way. That was the last time her family heard from her. Hours passed, and Alyssa never showed up. The police were contacted, but they told the family that they couldn't do anything until she had been missing for 24 hours. The next day at 9.15 p.m., a 10-second phone call to 911 was made from Alyssa's phone. The dispatcher heard a woman frantically asking for help. Then the line went dead. Because Alyssa's phone was a BlackBerry at the time, it was not equipped with a GPS sensor. All they could tell was that the call came from the Kent area. The caller was never identified, and Alyssa's phone went out of service a few days later. Sadly, Alyssa's mother passed away three days after she disappeared. A witness saw Alyssa on April 9th near 30th Avenue South and Kent Des Moines Road on Kent's West Hill. This area is known to be frequented by prostitutes and their buyers. Alyssa had a history of prostitution arrests. She was reportedly approached by a pickup with an unknown driver. The truck was described as green, 1990s model, possibly with Oregon plates. A second witness told authorities that Alyssa had been seen on an unspecified date prior to her disappearance with a white male in his 50s or 60s, about 5'8 and 160 pounds. That man reportedly drove a green truck and had some sort of connection to Alyssa, but it's unknown if he had anything to do with her case. Alyssa wasn't classified as missing until four days after she vanished. At the time of her disappearance, her three-year-old daughter was with the father, who was also Alyssa's boyfriend at the time. He said she was a devoted mother who wouldn't have abandoned her daughter. Detectives also said it was unlike her to not be in communication with her family. The Kent detectives have compiled binders with information about the case, but so far they've come up empty. No leads have panned out. Detective Brendan Wells was a patrol officer when Alyssa went missing and helped follow up on those initial leads. He was later promoted to detective and took over Alyssa's case in 2012. He keeps a recording of the 911 call that was made from Alyssa's phone on a CD in his work vehicle and listens to it often in the hopes that he will hear something new. He said, until she's found alive, we're treating her as a missing person and potential homicide victim. In the days and weeks after Alyssa went missing, authorities collected her white go-go boots to take a DNA sample and were interviewing the family about everything from who her friends were to if she did drugs. But it would be two years before the family's DNA was collected and submitted to the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, probably because of Alyssa's appearance. Her ethnicity was recorded as Asian, not Native American, in her police file, a mistake that would take about seven years to correct. According to FBI figures, Native Americans disappear twice the per capita rate of white Americans, despite comprising a far smaller population. I think they comprise like 2% of the population. Yeah. In a report from the Urban Indian Health Institute, researchers said they contacted police departments in 71 cities, but more than 60% would not demonstrate that they were accurately tracking disappearances. Racial misclassification is one problem in police investigations and contributes to the lack of accurate and consistent data collection in cases like Alyssa's. Alyssa's daughter is now 12 years old. Alyssa's case is still open. She would be 32 years old now. She is of Aleut and African-American descent. She has black hair that may or may not have been dyed blonde. She has brown eyes. She also has a scar on her abdomen. Some agencies list her race as Asian or Pacific Islander. If you have any information about Alyssa McLemore, please call the Kent Police Department at 253-856-5800. Well, she has a lot of things actually working against her because she's young. Um, she's 
uh, she's biracial. Yeah. She is um, is a known prostitute. Has had 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 has worked in that field. Uh, I think the proper term is sex worker. Yeah, and I couldn't find when. It didn't say when those arrests were, so right. I'm not sure how. But she's only 21 years right. old when she I'm, went missing. Yeah, so. I'm not sure how long ago those arrests had been. Right. Um, compared to when she was, when, when she, she disappeared. Missing. Um, so there are. Did it seem like that they took the case seriously? That the law enforcement was doing everything that they could to find her. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there were things that the family was concerned about because she wasn't listed as missing for four days. Um, she wasn't listed as Native American um, in for, there in, for se- up to seven years or right, something like that. Right. So I think that there were some things that probably could have been done better, mm-hmm. and you know, you hope that just because she had this history. Um, you hope that that wasn't something that that she that she had worked in the sex industry. Yeah, that it, that she wasn't um, less time or attention was right. spent because I think that we can look back and see that that uh, that population has been targeted by predators. Yeah, and um, serial killers can target that group of people, and that can go on for a very long time. Right, when it's not taken seriously and it's not investigated. Properly, um, yeah. But this is somebody's daughter, somebody's mother, somebody's right. sister, somebody's right. Yeah. And I didn't even want to mention that the mm-hmm. the history of prostitution, but I thought that it was important because this was the area that she was seen in. Right. Um, and you know, if you're if you are if you have been a sex worker or you are a sex worker, there's a lot of people who would have seen you. Um, and I think been aware of you if right. you were if you were. Um, that would have been aware of you and would have known. I mean, obviously, there were two different individuals who could saw her and identified her as being yes. with a white man um, uh, in his 50s or 60s and a green truck. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, just like anything else, just close proximity makes you familiar right. with people. Yep. And without that, um, there might not even be that information. Yeah. Uh, I think that's difficult because we have... That, that kind of work is very dangerous, and it puts yes. you in close proximity to people who are, well, that, that are breaking the law and that may not have much regard for the law, yeah. or, or human life. I mean, yeah. there was there was actually a serial killer. Um, I believe it was in that same area mm-hmm. that was um, arrested not too long before she went missing. I mean, years before, but maybe two years before, I think it was the Green River Killer. Yeah. And he was targeting um, sex workers. Yeah, sex workers. Yeah. And, and, and so I think just that alone makes it even more important that, you know, yes, sh- this is what she had done, um, but it's no less, her, her case is no less serious than anybody else's, regardless of right. what she did. Right. Because they had just had this serial killer who had been targeting sex workers for years and years. Um, and and a, a person isn't any less significant because of the right the the, the work that they do or where they come from. Or well, and it's just like what we say: regardless of what you do, you do not deserve nope. um, to be harmed in any way, regardless of your decisions and what you what you choose to do. Well, and and there's I, I have a lot of feelings about people who who um, 
work in the sex industry that have nothing to do with this. This is a person and um, sh- from this community that was that disappeared. Right. And there's and it's it's sad because her mother was dying. Right. Um, and she didn't get to say goodbye. And her uh, uh, daughter and the father of her child and her grandmother are just left to wonder. And it's interesting that the cases that we both read today, uh, we don't talk about the cases beforehand, and they both were 2009 cases. Yeah. We do that often. Yeah, we, we pick do. something that's similar. It's a little eerie. It, it's a, a, a similar, um, you know, a police department that they have to call or FBI number that they have to call, and that happens quite often. But this is a, this case is, is so sad because she was so young. Yeah. And and the only thing left. Um, the only indication is her DNA yep. and uh, a 10 second for asking for help. I didn't know that about um, that blue uh, blackberry. Blackberry. Bluetooth blackberry. It just, <laughs> I'm all that age, so I don't, um, I, I don't quite get that right. But I didn't realize that they didn't have GPS. Yeah, I'm sure that they do now, but apparently at the oh, time they did oh, not. Okay. Blackberries did not have that GPS located yeah. on them. Not something that I would think would be important. You know, I, I probably on my phone have shut my GPS off. Yeah. When it is it is that component that actually is able to ping right. people who have been kidnapped or um, that are missing, it has been able to ping off of, off of towers right. and indicated at least where they were in a certain period of time. So yeah. I might have to go back and, and turn that back on. Yeah. Because I don't, I just, just because things happen. And, um, it's just interesting. It's, I, I just never thought about that being an important, uh, an important thing to have, the GPS. Just the GPS that is on your phone when you buy it. And, uh, we don't even think about it. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com. Okay, for our weekly distraction this week, I'm going to tell you... um, Funny quotes from kids. So, buckle down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Uh, I went to see a mortgage, advi- a mortgage advisor with my seven-year-old son. He sat in the desk. As I sat down on the desk, he said to the man, Hello, I'm not her husband. <laughs> oh, oh, good, good to, to know. know. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> Thank okay, you. good. My five-year-old said, Can I have a Twix? And I said, You mean Twix? Five-year-old said, No, I only want one. Oh, just one. A, a twick. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It does make sense. Mouse. It's like spaghetti, Mouse. spaghetto. <laughs> <laughs> we only want one noodle. Just one noodle. Yep. So I overhear this. Come on, Esla, get it together. My almost three-year-old said this to her doll who kept falling over. Um, Come get, on, Esla. Get it together. Get it together. That's what my coworkers say in the office. I when say I it to myself sometimes. <laughs> my coworkers say that in the office uh, when I sneeze more than get twice. Get it together. Pull it together. <laughs> Soccer coach. Um, when you're trying to score a goal, kick the ball with the laces on your shoes. My four-year-old daughter. Um, we're in preschool, and there's no Velcro walking around here. 
<laughs> there's only Velcro. There's only Velcro walking around here. Uh, right. They don't have lasers. They have Velcro. Actually, you start with Velcro, you end with Velcro. Right. Got, got it on my shoes right now. <laughs> Which I think that all shoes should just be Velcro. Just because. Oh, why not? Why not? Uh, yeah. My son walks up to me with his hands dangling under his chins, chin, <laughs> fingers spread out and wiggling around. Mom, like my beard of testicles? <laughs> yeah, wh- what? Beard of what? Son, my beard of testicles. I'm an octopus. Oh, tentacles. tentacles. They're called tentacles. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Testicles. Testicles, tentacles. Same thing. I mean, really. They're wandering around out there in the world. I sat with my three-year-old daughter who was playing uh, playing at her dollhouse, and I asked her which one I should be, and she replied, the one that does the dishes. Oh, snap. I always have to be the one that does the dishes. <laughs> I'm that in real life. I'm that in real life. I want to be. <laughs> I want one that lays on the couch and eats bonbons. Exactly. I dropped my my son off to preschool and he says have a good weekend mommy <laughs> and he leaves a car clearly he has plans that don't include me <laughs> have a great weekend um a three-year-old daughter says boys can wear dresses right uh the husband says yes they can most boys don't but if they wanted to they could my three-year-old daddy you wouldn't look good in a dress it's not your style oh my three-year-old son saw nick jonas singing on tv and he said he doesn't have any friends does he <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. You've never met Nick. You don't uh, know him. I'm sure he's lovely. I'm sure he's lovely. Yes. Me. Why is the dog's head all wet? My three-year-old. Uh, because I peed on him. <laughs> That's why. You wanted to know, and I told you. <laughs> now go wash your hands. My four-year-old was using this Spider-Man cup all day without complaints. Then he hands it to me calmly and states, here, Mama, this is the worst cup I've ever seen. Oh. When, when does it turn? I, I, it, it just turns. It just, yeah, it just happens. My, my two-and-a-half-year-old set up a wall of toys around, the, around her in the kitchen and was laying down amongst them. Her stuffed giraffe kept falling over face first, and I just heard her saying, I'm not food, giraffe. I'm not food. <laughs> Again, get it together. Yes. Get it together. We are just laying around here in the kitchen. <laughs> A two-year-old, what's that? Can I hold it? Me? That's a calculator. A two-year-old, no, that's a calcunow. <laughs> calculator. Right now. Right now. Calcunow. <laughs> they don't know what a calculator is. No. I mean, unless, yeah, right. maybe they just use your phone. I told my kids that, w- that we are no longer saying shut up because it sounds mean It can hurt, and it can hurt people's feelings. Yes. So my kids were getting creative with their use of words. My nine-year-old daughter was talking and talking, and my six-year-old couldn't take it anymore, and he said, silence, you peasant, <laughs> which I think is perfect. It is perfect. It also, it feels good to say it. Yes. And it it um, it's, it packs a little punch. A little bit, yeah. Um, silence, you peasant. <laughs> I'm going to start using that because I think that's good. I think that's really good. I think it, it makes good. me feel good to say it. Well, it's just a little dig, too. It is. It yeah. is. It is. And... <laughs> and it really, it, 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 it feels, it just feels good. That's funny. So when my child come home from the, from school on the bus, I paused the work conference call that I was on to ask her how her day was. She responded, shh, go back to work. I have a list of things I want you to buy me with the money that you're making. She's five. <sighs> <laughs> That's what I have for you. <laughs> Those are good. 
What do you have, Katie? So I have um, White Lies We Believed as Kids. Um, oh, no, I think I believe them all. <laughs> that are, are hilarious you, are now. Are you going to break my heart? <laughs> no. Okay. No, they're, but they're really funny. For the longest time when I was young, I believed getting new training shoes made you run faster. As soon as I got a new pair, I'd go outside and have my distance set between two lampposts. I'd swear it felt like I was quicker with a new pair. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> and, there's a, and there's an action that you do with yes, that. It's the a, wind up. It's the wind up. Yes. And the one elbow cocked back. And uh, <laughs> maybe the tongue sticking out just a little bit. They do. And I swear, honestly, you will ask kids that. Do they make you run faster? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I was like four or five, I strongly believed that it wasn't people growing up that caused their clothes not to fit anymore. But it was clothes becoming smaller and tighter by themselves. I planned to keep a piece of clothing. Uh, I planned to keep a piece of my clothing and see how small it could get, and whether or not it would vanish at the end. Well, honestly, I wish that was God, true. It is still happening. I know. My clothes are getting smaller and smaller all the time. <laughs> uh, if you swallowed watermelon seeds, they grow in your stomach. Yeah, it's not true. It's not. I've swallowed many watermelon yes. seeds. That when they had an ad for an upcoming sport event, the footage they showed was from the future. For some reason, I thought all TV was live, so that meant that previews were from the future. I blame having older brothers. Because <laughs> they lie to you. <laughs> they mislead you. They do. When I was small, I lived in a small town by an oil refinery. My parents convinced me if you fart on sight, it would explode. Oh. I oh. was in kindergarten. <laughs> we went on a class field trip there once. <laughs> Not much else to do in the middle of nowhere. And I felt the gas building in my gut. I didn't want to kill everyone, so I grew quite stressed. I realized that I would need to take extraordinary measures to prevent a catastrophe, so I spent an embarrassingly long time with my hands down my pants blocking my fart. <laughs> Edit. It really doesn't help that gas leaks can cause explosions. <laughs> it's so that sad. Is what, that is what a lying parent made I know. you do. I know. And everybody farts. And I that, mean, those parents probably felt just horrible. I don't know if they did, they were, but they were the teacher. <laughs> when the teacher called them into the classroom to say that your child uh, had their hand down their pants uh, blocking the, the fart. entire time. Yeah. And we don't know why they did that, but um, oh they gosh. said it was because they didn't want everybody else to die. To die. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, when I was young, I didn't realize that the car indicator was manually controlled by the driver. I thought the car just knew where you wanted to go. Wouldn't that be nice? Bring me to work. And it just drives you there. Car indicator? Yeah, I'm thinking that it's oh, the, the, drive? the shifter. Oh, yeah. sure. <laughs> that the moon or the sun follows me every time I'm in the car when I was little. It yeah, does. It does follow me. It's a little eerie. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Same with people with the eyes on paintings. Yes. Yeah, that's creepy. Some do. Not all. Some, yes. There was a lighty uppy fountain near where I lived. A lighty, a lighty uppy fountain. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it says. That lighty uppy fountain. There was a lighty uppy fountain. Where I lived when I was a kid, the lights changed color and everything. It was pretty awesome for a kid. My dad told me that there was a tiny little man sitting in a tiny little room under the fountain, and he just sat there switching lights on and off. I believed him for years. <laughs> so like a, I was I was thinking a drinking fountain. But it's oh, a, like a, a water spray, yeah. a spray like a spray. A lighty uppy one. A lighty uppy one. Right. Sure, sure. When my son was around three years old, I told him that the red triangle button, so the flashers. On your car, uh, made the wings pop out so your car could fly. He's six now and still believes it. Don't hit that button. <laughs> when I was really little, I really thought the world was in black and white and suddenly became color at some point. 
I knew that the actors on TV were real, so they must have lived back when the world was gray. This was also backed up by evidence of black and white photos in my family album uh, that also turned to color photos as people got older. Oh. That is, yes. That would really weird you out. Especially when you, I was there, so that's not weird to me. I mean, I was... You were there when all of a sudden it switched over? No, I mean that there was there was a lot of black and white photos. Yeah. And it was common for people to do photography in their home and, right. and process their own own pictures. It so would feel very magical. It's, I suppose it would. <laughs> he believes still to this day that all bus stops are sanctuaries and that you can con- you can commit any crime and not be charged as long as you are in the confines of the bus stop. Mind you, we're both 27. <laughs> don't oh it's not a sanctuary no, don't not. do it and and so i didn't know that's what a sanctuary meant no i i thought a sanctuary was a safe place yeah not a safe place to commit crimes right to yeah i think that's called something else like a Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> yes i don't know yes i don't know right <laughs> putting batteries in a flashlight backwards sucked light thanks grandpa you got me Came to find out he got my dad with that one also when he was young. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's all I have. Well, that was wonderful. Thanks, Katie. You're welcome.